just going to tell you the story exactly the way it happened. It was March of 2019. We were headed to NRB for the National Religious Broadcasters. You see, this year, they were putting my dad in the Hall of Fame. Welcome back, friends. This is Jonathan Evans again, speaking at the Kingdom Legacy event held in March of 2023. In early 2019, in the weeks leading up to the release of the Study Bible and Commentary, they had received the good news about Tony's and Lois's induction to the NRB Hall of Fame. The family all traveled to Anaheim, where Jonathan talks about being in the hotel before the event. Well, we got to his door and we knocked on the door and my mom opened the door only to look in and see my dad in the bed as if he's depressed. He almost didn't get up that whole week. He kind of walked around like this and we're thinking, Dad, this is the Hall of Fame. This is 30 years of sacrifice and service. They're about to put you up. Why are you acting like this? We'll talk about it later. Dad, get excited. No, you have enough excitement for both of us. <laughs> now go back to your room, please. Stop getting in the middle. You're grown. What should have been a season of celebration was actually one of tragedy. Less than a year before, Winter Pitts, Tony's niece, suddenly passed away at the age of 38. Her passing began a season of loss for the Evans. Here's Priscilla Shire talking about the season at the same event. We lost eight people in the span of two and a half years. It was back-to-back -back loss. And holding on to faith in the midst of that was, I think, um, our family being united as we walked through all of that together and reminding each other that God is either who we have always believed him to be or not. Not just when it's good, but also when things are really hard. We either believe this stuff we've been talking about our whole lives or we don't. That doesn't make it easy. That doesn't make the, mean the tears don't fall and your heart's not broken and that you don't have a whole bunch of questions that you're asking of God and trying to grapple with as a family. We've just struggled and cried so many tears and asked God why. Jonathan picks up the story on the night of the induction. Finally, they call his name and they say, welcome to the stage, Dr. Tony Evans. And everybody gives him a standing ovation, but he comes on the stage with his head down with a slow walk. And they said, you have 20 minutes. Now, you know what Tony Evans can do with 20 minutes. He, <laughs> he tore the house down and everybody's giving him a standing ovation. But then the way he walked off the stage, we knew that he was torn down. And he goes and sits back at the table and we said, Dad, enough is enough. You gotta let us know what's going on. We finally get into the room and we sit down and we're looking at him, trying to figure out what he was gonna say. And then finally he says, we just found out that your mom has stage four gallbladder cancer. I've talked to every doctor high and low. I've called all of my relationships. I've gone through all of the scans. I've taken her to every doctor, all from Cooper all the way to this person and that person. You know me, I try to fix things. Certainly we can overcome this and they're letting me know right now, you got eight to nine months left with your mom. 
I can't tell you what that felt like after all the things we've gone through and then we think that we're at a high point and then we hit another low point. And so I'm just trying to digest this information and there's chaos going on in the room. And then after about five minutes, we look back at my mom and my mom says, are you guys finished yet? She said, sit down, I have something to say to you. I said, what is it, mom? She said, we do not fight against flesh and blood. We fight against the rulers, the principalities, the world forces of darkness, the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. The enemy is on the attack because of all the things that God wants to accomplish through this family because of the impact that's gonna be made, because of the legacy that's gonna be left, because of the, the advancement of God's kingdom and the enemy doesn't like it and he's hitting us at every single angle. And one thing we will not do, the Evans family will not tuck tail and run. And I'm listening to her and I'm thinking to myself, mom, how in the world can you be talking about ministry at a time like this? That's what I said to her. And then she cut her eyes over to me and I got nervous for a second. <laughs> and she looked at me and she said, and I'll never forget this, because that's the only reason why you exist. You exist to serve the purposes of God. You exist to do what he's called you to do. And you don't just do it when it's good times, you do it when it's bad times. You do it at all times. And it reminded me of Joshua 1, where it says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant is gone. Now, therefore, you get up, cross the Jordan, you and all these people, to the land which I have given them to the sons of Israel. And everywhere on which the sole of your foot treads, I have already given it to you, just as I have spoken to Moses. So she was telling us in that moment, and because she's not here, I'll tell you what my mom told me to tell you. Get up. I know it's hard. I know that there has been loss of loved ones, loss of careers, loss of relationships, loss of businesses, loss in finances, loss of mind, loss of emotion. You feel like you're losing on all ends and the enemy is trying to pull you out of the advancement that God is calling you to. And we've, you've done all of this work to get to the precipice of the Jordan and the enemy is trying to stop you from taking a few more steps to realize your promise. Get up. Welcome to Start to Finish, the life and ministry of Dr. Tony Evans. Episode 8, The Servant. Dr. Lois Evans passed on December 30th, 2019. At her going home service, Crystal had this to say about her mother. My mother, when I was in college, and while my husband and I have five kids, when we got married, we gave each other the gift of a girl on our wedding day. So prior to marrying my husband, my oldest daughter, Karis, 
was my gift in college. My mother came and she stayed with me for three weeks. We slept in the same bed together and she would hold Karis so I could get some sleep and go back to class. At the time, I thought that's what you're just supposed to do. But also at the time, her youngest child, Jonathan, was 10. And my own son, now being 11, I know what that costs to leave your whole family, your job, your husband, and your other children to spend time with one. And you know how you see your parents because they're your parents. And there are certain things that they're supposed to do because they're your parents. But I'll never forget when I drove her to the Greyhound bus station. Yes, Lois got on the Greyhound bus to say goodbye for just a couple of weeks because Karis was born in November, I was gonna be home for Christmas. I stood there and I saw her. And I saw her as a woman who had given up three weeks of her life for just one. And I remember both of us bawling at the gas station where the Greyhound bus came by because I realized that she had seen me and now I was seeing her. And she said to me then, don't cry. I'll see you shortly. You're coming home soon. And that's how I feel today. We were only separated for a little while back then and today we'll only be separated for a little while still. This is Dr. Evans at the Kingdom Legacy event. Lois passed away on the 30th of December. The 31st was New Year's Eve service. She was always at New Year's Eve service. One of the last things that she could articulate to me was don't stop preaching. So on the 31st, I got up and preached New Year's Eve service with her words ringing in my ear and doing that helped me to keep going. The one thing I wish we would, I would have done differently is some of the things we had planned to do at 70, I wish we would have done at 60 because we didn't get past 70. So don't delay things that you want to do that you can do when you can do them early. Just a month before Lois's passing, Arthur Evans, the patriarch of the Evans clan, also went home to the Lord. Here's Priscilla Shire at the Kingdom Legacy event again. But I want to say that, you know, watching dad experience all of this loss, all of it so directly and closely connected to him, his siblings, parents, mom, all of that. But watching him stay steady through that, can nobody tell me the Holy Spirit is not real? Can nobody tell me that? because his sustaining power has been so clear and the impact of watching my dad stay anchored made me think I want my kids to remember this moment in their mom's life and that she still trusted God, she still honored him, she still believed that he was the same. I want them to have the same testimony about me that I have about my father, that we can stay anchored when stuff is hard. And just three months after that, the world stopped. 
Let's get right to our top story. The expanding outbreak of the deadly coronavirus. Look at the map. What started in China has now spread to Europe, Australia and the United States. Here's what we know as we come on the air. There is now one more confirmed case in the U.S., bringing the total to three. This will put a human face on it. Okay, Tom Hanks just tweeted he and his wife, Rita, are in Australia. Okay, Uh, they don't feel great. Uh, They got tested. They have coronavirus. If you look at the curves of outbreaks, you know, they go big peaks and they come down. What we need to do is flatten that down. But the word that just came out just moments ago is the NBA is going to temporarily suspend the season from now. Who knows what's going to happen going forward? You stay at home. That is the order tonight from four state governors as the coronavirus pandemic spreads. In January of 2020, I had a front row seat to the faithfulness of God in my own life. A little over a year before, my wife and I moved our young family to Pittsburgh from New Orleans to plant our second church. After 18 months of hard work, I was overwhelmed by the goodness and faithfulness of God when hundreds of people showed up for our first official service. In a span of weeks, like most of you, I was trying to figure out Zoom and online services. As I learned to preach to empty rooms every single week, my sermons weren't just exhortations to my congregation, I was preaching to myself. Remain faithful, friends. Don't lose hope. Keep fighting the good fight. You see, we all have a COVID story. And for Tony, it was another blow in a ceaseless barrage. Here's Priscilla Shire again. So then 2020 came, and I think that you know, the loss of the church, because basically the loss of the gathering, the local gathering, which happened to pretty much every pastor, you lose what for our dad was really the crux of his week, Mm. being with the actual people at the church. Mm. That was like a whole nother death. He'd lost at that point seven family members in the the two years building up, and then he lost the church in a sense. So it was really, I mean, like a whole nother grief three months later after Mm -hmm. mom died. Mm -hmm. I I mentioned that because that was a time where, starting then to now, where I really saw my father look at the four of us and say, all right, what are we going to do? Yeah. Because his motivation was waning. He was grieving. There was a lull that we have never seen in our father before, Mm -hmm. understandably. He'd lost so much. Um, His heart was broken. And for the first time in our lives, we saw our father need us to take the reins Mm -hmm. because he just did not have the capacity to wade through the emotional chaos that he was wading through and figure out an entirely new dynamic for church to continue without a weekly gathering. So that I think became the springboard and the impetus for him saying, all right, I need y'all to take the reins of certain things at the church. Mm -hmm. That probably started because of 2020. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was exactly that. It was my mom gave up her life for the sake of this ministry. Yeah. Here's Anthony Evans. So I'm not going to allow her to do all that and then just let things kind of fall by the wayside that she worked so hard for. As related to my dad and the church, which is all synonymous at this point. It's all like one big thing. Right. So yes, we all kind of picked up mantles. And we, and it's, re- it's weird because everybody like fell into formation. It wasn't like, okay, you're going to do this. I'm going to do this. It's we all have distinct um, characteristics of our mother. And we just all fall into those 
Yeah. We just all fall into them. I can literally hear my mom in my head telling me how she wants stuff. And I know exactly, I know exactly how she would want this done. Like I'm very aware and I'll say it. And they'll, my family will be like, yeah, you're right. She would want this. That's how I carry my mom's Priscilla is, is another version of the detail, but as it relates to um, the, uh, this, just this, this hosting energy, making people, making sure people feel seen, making sure no one's overlooked, um, making sure the church, not that it would ever go, go away from this, but just it stays this little big church for lack of a way to say it like my mom wanted to make sure that even though it grew and everything got big it, it was it was more like we want to maintain that the 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 integral small church you you're seeing we know your name kind of energy um crystal with the women's conference and stuff i think we've, we've talked about this before um that like she and she's also the same as me with like my mother would want it this way so we're gonna do it that way everybody okay <laughs> you know that kind of energy um and then my brother is is really carries my mom's desire for my dad not to be overworked and overwhelmed because there are a few people that my dad would trust with that platform and with that and and my brother to me takes weight off of my dad when he wants it taken off which is not very often look to your to your credit your siblings and your dad, I believe, express this, but you're the one that's fought the most for your family doing a lot of ministry together. Yeah. Can you yeah. speak to that just in terms of even like your desire in that and your call to, yeah. to see you guys together as much as possible? Yeah, I have that desire. Um, one, because it just makes sense in my head. Like if we're all doing this, why would we all be doing this in, in silos? Like that doesn't make sense to me. I mean, right. yes, do that. But then coming together. But also I can hear my mom's voice ringing in my head saying, I want y'all together. And that's what I hear in my head. And we're at a place now where we can do that. So it's kind of like, why, why would we not? Like I don't. And if it's what my mom wants, then yep. it's over. Like I'm, I'm, very, I'm very much like, hey, y'all, our, our mom asked for this. So I'm doing it. Here's Crystal Evans Hurst. We have to tell ourselves, and by we, I mean my dad and my siblings, we have to remind each other, and sometimes we don't want to be reminded. She's not coming back. So if she's not coming back, how do we then live? Yeah, eventually we clean out her closet. Yes, eventually we make decisions about things in the house, who gets them, whether they stay. Eventually we settle into how we care for our father, where on the one hand, we want him to know that he's loved. And on the other hand, we don't want to get on his nerves <laughs> showing up at any time because we all have keys. She's not here. She's not coming back. And it takes a minute to untangle from living a life when someone was so involved and engraved into your everyday now that my daughter can't call her every five minutes, she calls me every five minutes. My mom isn't here. What does that mean? She was a great lubricant, meaning all of the metal, all of the moving parts of our family and our ministry moved, moved smoothly because she was present. There's a lot of metal on metal. So learning how now to see where there's friction and to say, this is the way she did it. This is the way she she operated, but she's not here. So how do we move forward and continue to do well what she showed us by her example? 
how it could be done in excellence. You know, it's a very interesting thing. Um, He's never, dad has never asked us or requested for us to, which I actually wondered why. I was like, why why didn't you involve us more? Why Mm. didn't you request more of us? And he said, it's just your choice to make. We had a life outside of church. So I think it's very interesting that with the freedom and the encouragement to go and bloom and do all the things that we all in some way, shape or form have at varying points in time come home to roost. We've never, none of us have never attended another church like membership wise. I mean, there have been seasons where I'd go to Oak Cliff one service and go to another church because I just needed to hear something else. Um, but all of us call Oak Cliff our home mm. and we're not, and we're not there with, with, I mean, in, in more recent years, especially with mom passing, there's definitely more that we're doing. He's still so involved and engaged and wanting to be hands-on with everything at the church. He loves right. it. Right. So yes, he is looking to us in terms of the fact that he realizes that there's value there, but he's also very clear yeah. on what he sees for this next season in yeah. the church. I love it. So we really still get to be a support to his vision. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he allows us to Mm. Feels like such a joy that he lets us be a part of that because mm-hmm. he doesn't have to. He's he's really doing okay. And I also love that in in a sense, uh, you guys are stepping in and. And, and pushing your dad. So I saw an example around Christmas yeah, where I think it was Anthony put on social or whatever that dad was done with family time and he wanted to leave, but you and the siblings oh, yes. would not let him leave Christmas. You yeah. kept him on the couch. That's he right. was going to get out. his family time. That's right. That's right. So there's a sense in which you guys are now leading the way for him. Oh, yeah. Well, we realized, you know, in mom's absence, we realized that a lot of the stuff dad was doing was only because mom was saying, Tony, this is what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> we realized it was her. It wasn't him. Yeah, yeah. So we, now that it's just him, we're like, Dad, come on. Yeah. you got to still stay with us or do this. Or, yeah. Um, so it's been fun to have that sort of a look into him. Mm-hmm. Um, now that he's on his own, in a sense, it's like, oh, Dad, we didn't even know that you liked this right. or that you didn't <laughs> like this or right. that you wanted to, you'd rather your space look yeah. like this. Yeah. We didn't even know, yeah. you know, because you just, we've only seen them together. Right. So we're discovering different aspects and elements of our dad yeah. that we've never seen. We'll be right back. Are you tired of living in a divided world, seeking harmony and unity amidst the chaos? Then you'd love Tony Evans' book, Oneness Embraced, Politics, Racial Tension, and Divisions Surround Us, Tearing Our Relationships and Churches Apart. But Tony Evans shows us that the gospel holds the key to finding oneness despite our differences. This book delves into the Word of God, providing a kingdom-based perspective on history, culture, the church, and social justice. Find answers on how to achieve unity in our relationships, churches, and nation in Oneness Embraced. Pick up your copy today from moodypublishers.org or wherever fine books are sold. So as we've seen a a common vision and thread of uh, 
the kingdom agenda and so many things that the Lord's called you to. Obviously, uh, there's so many things that you're still uh, serving the Lord with today and uh, various projects that that really speak to now the legacy of your ministry. Um, could we perhaps talk about some of the things, the training centers, the projects with Lifeways, the various different books to a year, right? <laughs> that that uh you're a part of well from a legacy standpoint the things that will outlive me i believe foundational is the bible and the commentary because the bible outlives everybody (laughs) (laughs) so and people being able to relate it but with this theme overlaying it of of the kingdom and the kingdom worldview the kingdom agenda Tied to that is the uh, Tony Evans Training Center, which is designed to provide biblical education based on the Kingdom Agenda worldview. Mm. Five sections to it. There's a, there's the Bible and theology section. Then individual life, family life, church life, community life. Mm. And there are courses in each one of those sections that people can get certifications. And since it's online, that can outlive me. And um, and then this Sunday school curriculum with Lifeway, which is a, which will be developed into a five-year curriculum that can constantly be used by churches and church groups and small groups as a way of getting them to understand and apply the kingdom worldview. So I would say my legacy is the proclamation and promotion of the kingdom agenda worldview, the visible manifestation of the comprehensive rule of God of every area of life through the Bible of Commentary, through the Tony Evans Training Center and the curriculum that we're developing. Because books come and go, people come and go, but his word remains forever. I love that. What about Oak Cliff? What's what's God burning within your heart for Oak Cliff, and and what's what's the Lord doing right now, and where do you believe the Lord's calling the church in the future? Well, we have um, developed a massive footprint here in in Dallas, southern section of Dallas. 350 total acres um, that tries to model the vision and principles of the kingdom agenda. We tell our members we want to develop kingdom disciples who are kingdom servants that make a kingdom impact. And uh, so developing that in such a way that other churches can benefit from it, which the Urban Alternative uses through its training mechanism, to facilitate that, even an on-site summit and online summit each year. But we've also tried to model the spheres. So we have programs for families, then we have a program for churches, and then we have community development, which is social services and economics and and even the golf club. All of that is designed to show community impact. Right. You know, based on our faith, but appropriately designated. We have our own credit union so that people can bank through the church. So to show that the church can be a vital arm of community well-being and community service. And so uh, that's there. Yeah. Uh, So Tony's a little different when it comes to social justice and when it comes to 
impacting the broader community. Here's Dr. Evans, former pastoral assistant, Dr. Conway Edwards again. There are a lot of African-American churches that are very socially conscious. Uh, Dr. Evans would be very theologically conscious. That's a massive difference. So uh, when it comes to the church having an impact on the community, it's going to be intentional, it's going to be strategic, and it's going to be theological. What that means is he's not looking for every incident that shows up to then go have a voice at it. He's got a he's got a well thought through theological strategy that's going to bring change and impact on the community. So whether you're talking about adopt a school and now you have all these churches across the DFW era that have adopted schools, including ours, and then you're making a difference there. Well, that's that's an intentional theological strategy. The Adopt-A-School program is one of many that Oak Cliff has implemented for community development. This is an excerpt from Dr. Evans' book, Oneness Embraced, on how it came about. A nearby high school was experiencing increased difficulties at the time, including delinquencies and low academic achievement. The principal of the school decided to reach out to me for help. Gang activity had broken out, affecting all areas of performance within the school. After I got the call, I decided to go over to the school with around 25 men from our church. The principal stopped all the classes and brought all the male students into the gymnasium, and we shared what it was like to be a real man. What's more, we did it in the name of God. In fact, I even used the name of Jesus Christ, and the school was fine with it, Because when things have broken down so much that you can't even conduct classes for your students, you don't get so picky about what you will allow or not allow in an effort to help. After our time together, and after some of the men from the church began hanging out in the hallways, offering help and hope to those in need, plus accountability for those who wanted to cause trouble, the gang activity shut down. Students' grades went up. Delinquency was lowered, and the school acknowledged that the church connection was good for producing a more productive learning environment. In fact, the principal later became the superintendent of the district for 18 schools and requested our church's involvement in all 18 schools. We then organized ourselves and adopted all of the schools, expanding our support services to each through mentoring, tutoring, counseling, offering skills training, and wraparound family support services. When word got out to neighboring school districts, the 18 schools soon became 36. The Adopt-A-School program has grown exponentially since the time of the book's writing. The reason why he's brilliant is because he's not looking for a microphone. He is working a developed system that is theologically driven that has proven both in ancient time and today to to impact the community. So whether it is adopted school, whether it is feeding people that don't have, whether it is providing loans to people that other people won't provide them to, whether it is all of that, it is very intentional and not haphazard. I've seen churches adopt schools, and then because they adopt schools, 
um, then the churches will take over, for example, quote unquote, uh, providing uh, the meal for everybody for the whole year. Or I would see them own the library and provide resources for that library. Or I've seen them provide scholarships for kids who come from broken homes who then need an opportunity that they could not get to go to college. And then you provide resources for them to go to college. I've seen churches, including ours, but most importantly, other white churches that have adopted the adopted school program that then execute and carry out and become lights in the community, which is what he's always after anyways. That's where I think his genius and his brilliance come. So he might not be known uh, in the community for rallying the black voice, or he might not be known in the community for uh, championing the cause of police officers, but he will be known in the community for being a friend of both and having a a strategy that transcends the 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 momentary political agenda of individuals. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Trevin Wax, and I'd like to tell you about a podcast called Reconstructing Faith. It's a podcast that features interviews with church leaders like Jen Wilkin, Tim Keller, Ajith Fernando, David Platt, and historians like Alistair McGrath and Thomas Kidd. In the first season, we looked at the credibility crisis facing the church today in a number of areas. In season two, we're looking at specific challenges to rebuilding the church's witness today, leaning on insights from church history and the church around the world as we work toward a healthier body of Christ. Subscribe now to Reconstructing Faith wherever you listen to podcasts, and you'll have access to season one in its entirety, and you'll receive notifications once season two begins. Does the rising price of eggs make you want to crack? At the Tony Evans Training Center, we hear you. That's why we're lowering our subscription fee. Christopher, a TETC user, says, This is an answer to prayer. This ministry has made a vital impact on my walk. It may not sound like a lot, but with a large family, every dollar counts. We want to bless your journey. Visit TonyEvansTraining.org to subscribe today and explore the kingdom of God. Well, friends, we're about caught up to the present day. We want to close our time together by hearing some reflections and stories from Dr. Evans' friends and family on the meaning of his legacy. First up, the NFL Today's James Brown, or JB. Tony Evans is Apostle Paul-like in that heavens, it's clear, like the Apostle Paul, when he had the Damascus Road experience, he didn't just jump out there and start teaching, preaching, proselytizing. He studied and a gifted intellect. Many people may not ascribe that to him, but when you look at the topics and how well exegeted properly that he understands and uses it in the proper context, and we understand that there are many principles and precepts that the Lord speaks to. Mm. And from that, there are many 
practical applications of God's word. Dr. Evans has done that, which would lead me to say that he simply is sold out for Christ on any and all platforms. And if you desire to have a discussion with him, he can talk with you about any and every aspect of God and make it plain to you. Praise God. He is, he, he's just, he's, he's a modern day apostle Paul to me. Coach Tony Dungy. I think for me, Dr. Evans is, I, I think of two words, biblical excellence. And uh, to me, that's what I always go back to. Anything that he talks about is going to come from the scriptures. Any advice he's going to give is going to be scripturally based. Anything that he pours out is going to come from the Bible, and he knows it so well. So uh, that, that's been uh, an encouragement to me to know my Bible and to be able to give people not just, uh, you know, hey, here's a good thought or here's what I believe. Uh, no, here's what Jesus says. Here's what God says. Here's what the Bible says. And the the just the the desire to do that I, I think that is going to be his legacy i think he's given that to a lot of people that we need to be biblically excellent coach how important is that right now in this day and age i think it is so so important because we're being bombarded by all these different ideas and uh, he and i have had some discussions right now i, I one of the last questions i ask him is how vocal do I need to be or how vocal can I be uh, when I'm working on television and my bosses are saying, well, this, if you say this, it might offend sponsors or it might offend some of our viewers. And maybe you should hold back on that. Not to say you shouldn't have that belief, but do you need to say that? And I, I posed that question to him and he said, hey, you've got to be tactful and you've got to be loving. But Again, it comes back to you're a Christian, even when you're broadcasting. You're a Christian, no matter where you are. So how do you how do you want that to look? How do you want to walk? And do you want Jesus to say, well done? Or do you want your boss to say, well done? Right. And uh, again, it just goes back to just great, sound scriptural advice every single time. College professor and mentor, John McNeil. Well, I'm not surprised that God is using him in a marvelous way. He came filled with the Holy Spirit, and he continues being filled with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. He's humble. He gives all the honor to the Lord. And I'm not surprised what the Lord is doing with him. And his other college professor and mentor, Howard Dial. Tony has been very kind, humble. I'm, I'm on, the, on the, the, the scale of celebrities in evangelicalism, I'm a minnow in the pond, you know, and he stayed in touch. He calls, has called periodically. He didn't have, he didn't have to do these things. Who am I? Uh, he was known everywhere. And, uh, and he asked about the family. He asked me to come out there, and they, his church paid the way for Beth and me to come out there. He introduced us to the congregation and had me speak on a Wednesday night and showed me all around in gratitude. Mm -hmm. He didn't have to do that. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, it's little, uh, things like that. And sending me books, I got all these books. <laughs> and um, I'd say he humble, and then he he's lived simply and carefully, and uh, he's been an example of what he preaches in serving others. His first boss, Martin Resnick. And the great thing about Tony is that he doesn't forget his friends. And there isn't a time they come, come anywhere near Baltimore where he doesn't call me and say, I'm coming in. Do you have time to spend a day or two with me? He's constantly calling when he had the time to come into Baltimore and make time to see me and spend time with me. Moody Bibles, Greg Thornton. He's prolific. And he can do that because he he's he's so focused. And and in terms of legacy, um, you know, he he teaches the kingdom of agenda, the the visible manifestation of the, God's comprehensive rule in all of life. And he has lived a kingdom agenda life, um, and that legacy is going to follow him. Uh, we we pray that if if God takes him home and. Uh, but before the Lord returns, that these books, these resources, these recorded messages, audio, video, right. uh, digitized, uh, will continue on and uh, will encourage generation after generation. And because he's focused, uh, that's been left behind. You know, one other story, uh, I, I don't think it was that event, um, but another time where Dr. Evans came in to speak um, as Every speaker does. Um, in, in the moment, something was said that could be interpreted uh, in a different way. And so soon after that message, uh, our, our president at Moody received a letter from someone who was in the audience who was disappointed in what they thought they heard Dr. Evans say. And um, because I had the relationship with Dr. Evans and was going to be seeing him, I decided to to talk to him about it. And just say, "You thank you for speaking as always. You did a magnificent job. Thank you for making the trip." Um, uh, but we did hear from one concerned person, and we know your heartbeat. And he said, "Oh, that person has already written me," and I got on the phone and I called them um, mm -hmm. because I I, I didn't want to hurt anybody, and I thought, "Oh my goodness." Um, what a demonstration of humility yeah. um, and uh, a, a, a connection to an individual in that way that Dr. Evans would receive uh, a, a, in any way at all constructive criticism like this from someone he didn't know, and then to get on the phone and call them and to uh, uh, apologize for any uh, offense that might have been given with it. And I thought, so powerful. Oh, oh, my goodness. That's Dr. Evans. Dallas Mavericks co-founder, Norm Sanju. I was on the board of the Urban Alternative since the 80s to now. And and uh, so I, I've been with him really a lot of times, traveling to different places where they'd have conferences and so forth uh, and, and things. And so we had a just a lot of a lot of contact uh, together and stuff. Uh, and and, and I, I'll, I'll just say this with Tony, what you, what you see is the real guy, is the real deal. He lives what he preaches. 
he there's no, been no scandals with Dr. Evans at all. When you think of the ministers that make these mistakes, especially right. when a lot of money comes in and stuff, right. he's been lives in the same home he's lived in for years, and and is does not act like a big deal like some of of the mega pastors could. And so I think he models the family probably as well as anyone I've ever seen. North American Mission Board VP, Trevin Wax. There's so many different angles to go about it, right? I mean, you could look at his legacy as a man who was faithful to his wife and kids. Yeah. And faithfully led a church for 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 so many years and didn't and didn't bring scandal and disrepute on the, the name of the Lord. Mm-hmm. Uh that that's that's something we should we should care about and something we should honor. Yeah, because uh, because it's increasingly rare with yeah, the prominent pastors. Day. It seems like Absolutely. these days. I don't really know of hardly anyone who's able to be as prophetic and pastoral at the same time yeah. as a Tony Evans. Yeah, uh, there's an immense amount of credibility that the man has because of the way that he's engaged, and um, and and because of the his. There, there's also the the. You know, I don't know. I, I historians will have to look back on this era, and they'll have to look back and just say like what role he played. But, but goodness, I mean, you can't talk about his legacy without talking about his kids. Out of everything people had to say about Dr. Evans, family is the answer we received from most. Dallas Theological Seminary's Mark Bailey. I think there's two two lasting legacies. One is his family and the extended ministry, and uh, and that's, in my mind, that's what counts the most. Uh, from You know, if, if my children, I, I, I love the passage in Third John, uh, I find no, no greater joy than to see my children walking in the truth. I think if that's a, a physical family, that's true. If it's a spiritual family of the church, that's true. Right. So I think the legacy of his family, uh, and just knowing those relationships and their commitment to the Lord because of that, and their love for their parents, and their honor of their parents, that to me is a huge branch of that legacy. I, I think the the other one is the the leaders, the young leaders who have been trained under his leadership, who are now in pastoral ministries or in other kind of ministries. Uh, he's he has a lot of uh, uh, sons of the faith, you know, that have gone on and uh, and pastored, and and whose whose lives have been marked by his. And a lot of seminary students who've attended there come through seminary. They they do their internships there. Or, or they've been trained under that, and then uh, sometimes they've been on staff with him, and then released uh, to go do their thing. And so I think the the long line of followers that he impacted gave them a vision for ministry, released them to exercise their gifts right. in multiple ways uh, within the church body, and then uh, watch watching them go do the same. So I, I think that reproducing within the family and within the church family. And uh, that that multiplying of those discipleship, you know, uh, generations on both branches. This is Conway Edwards again. And then I think for him to have modeled the way with his entire family loving Jesus, even though they're flawed, even though they're broken, even though they've made major mistakes. But the fact that they are still in love with Jesus and still love being around their dad, for an African-American pastor to have been faithful for this long and his kids still love him and all of them in ministry is gives a lot of people hope 
that it can be done in a world where most pastors lose their kids and where most ministers falter over time. He has been consistently great. And I think I think that's no small feat. Lifeways, Brian Daniel. But I think what it comes down to for me being around the family, Crystal, Priscilla, Anthony, and Jonathan, I've got to go with Kingdom Dad. His legacy is his family. I, I just can't. It is uh, amazing. It is just amazing what they are doing. The influence, the evangelical, Christian, biblical, godly influence that's emerged from the kingdom dadness of Tony Evans is remarkable. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know what words, I don't know what other words there are. I, I'm at a loss for words on that. I just don't know. Howard Hendricks, one of Dr. Evans' professors at DTS and one of the men who opened the door to the Cowboys and the Mavericks once said, there are about 3,000 people mentioned by name in the Bible. Of those 3,000, we only have enough information to evaluate the lives of about 100 of them. Of those 100, only about one-third of them finished well. Dr. Evans' life isn't over yet. To the contrary, you know, he's a 73-year-old elder statesman at this point, but there is nothing about him that speaks to a 73-year-old right. in terms of what people would think. Right. He is the most youthful, vital. Um, his mind is so sharp. He's preaching with a depth and a clarity and an authority that almost is, you know, exponential yeah. to even previous decades. Yeah. What I love about him right now is that he's not slowing down. Mm-hmm. Is I love that as a Christian entrepreneur, as a minister, as a pastor, as a father, as a friend, you know, he's on fire. He's on fire. Like when you come to church, like, and I don't say that God always quantifies his movements with numbers, but Oak Cliff is packed. Mm-hmm. Tony, Tony, that was 73 years old. And they're not coming for the music. They're not coming for any gimmicks because there's no, the music has gotten better than, than when it was about 28, <laughs> but they come in because this man, yeah, he's a beast with that book. He's a beast with that book. He is a beast with that book. I'm telling you, oh, man, this packed on mm. And this is post-COVID. This is post-COVID, bro. Yeah. And I'm so proud for him. Mm. Is I love this way. Is I love this one because I've got a chance to see his private life, and I love Tony. I I envy I envy Tony Evans. I I envy Tony Evans because he is a is a picture of his dad. It is a whole nother level because he has nothing to prove and also nothing to lose. Yeah. And when when those two things come together, it's a for anybody. Yeah. When it's like, I'm, I'm done, I don't need it. But he did, never was trying to prove anything. Yeah. He, and now the amount of loss that he went through created this like, what else? I mean, yeah. you can't take anything else from me. So I'm going to yeah. say what I want. Yeah. I'm not trying to make sure it's all cute and perfect so that you play me on the radio. Like he's never thought that way, but especially not now. Right. So yeah, it's, it's another level. Right. And I just, I didn't think he could go to another level, right. but it is. A big focus of the church is on the next generation because 
Again, we want the church to outlive me. Jonathan is taking an increased role with the church, and, and uh, it looks like he's being received very well as the person to continue uh, the ministry. Um, and we'll just see how that continues to unfold naturally. We're not trying to artificially do anything, but right. naturally things are going well. Right. And, and right now his focus is on the next generation to try to stay true to our biblical foundation, but relevant to our contemporary world. And I remember one time he turned his Bible to Psalm 128 and he gave it to my sister. And he said, I want you to read this passage because this is the dream. A few months ago, Jonathan was at a church outside of Nashville where he preached a familiar sounding sermon. And we spent about an hour on this passage. And then after that, I was about six years old. He said, we're going to work on this for the next several months and memorize it because I want you to know it. I'm bringing you to that table this morning. And I want you to sit with us as we sat as kids and hear this passage. And when I read it, just think about it because it's going to preach itself. In Psalm 128, it says, How blessed is everyone who fears the Lord and who walks in his ways. For you shall eat the fruit of your hands, you will be happy, and it will go well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine within your house, your children like olive plants around your table. Behold, thus shall the man be blessed who fears the Lord. May you be blessed from Zion. May you see prosperity in Jerusalem all the days of your life. Indeed, may you see your children's children peace be upon a whole nation of Israel. My dad said it this way in Promise Keepers a long time ago. He would say, you see, men, it works like this. If you're a messed up man and you have a family, then you're going to contribute to a messed up family. And if you're a messed up man contributing to a messed up family and that family is a part of a neighborhood, then your family is going to make its contribution to a messed up neighborhood. So if you're a messed up person, which you contribute to a messed up family, that family contributes to a messed up neighborhood and that neighborhood goes to the church, then that messed up neighborhood will make its contribution to a messed up church. If you're a messed up person contributing to a messed up family, leading to a messed up church that's resulting in a messed up neighborhood, and your neighborhood's part of the city. That means that your messed up church will make its contribution to a messed up city. Thus, if you're a messed up person, which will contribute to a messed up family. Resulting in a messed up church that's part of a messed up neighborhood and resides in a messed up city and contributes to a messed up county that now resides in a messed up nation, then your nation's part of the world then your messed up nation just made its contribution to a messed up world. So, if you want a better world, illuminated by better nations, inhabited by better states, composed of better cities that are made up of better neighborhoods, illuminated by better churches because they're made up of better families, we got to start out by becoming better people under the rule of God. Start to Finish, The Life and Ministry of Dr. Tony Evans is a podcast powered by the North American Mission Board. You can get in touch with us at resources at nam.net. That's resources at namb.net. If this podcast is helpful to you, and I really hope that it was, it would be helpful to us if you'd leave a five-star review on whatever platform you're listening to 
and share it with all your friends. Start to Finish is made possible by the cooperation of the Urban Alternative, Dr. Tony Evans, and the Evans family. Our show is written by Neil Hoppy and produced by Kevin Spratt. Editing by Jeremy Spencer. Our sound engineers are Eric Chapman and Aaron Leslie. Our music is by J. Adam Wesley. Trevin Wax is our executive producer.